Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Grindworks Podcast. This is episode 38, and um, for this episode I met up with Harry Geyer, the owner of the wheel mill, and we talked about a couple of things. One of the things we talked about was uh, different features at the park, some of which have been uh, described you know, by probably myself and other people around the wheel mill as uh, fun killers. And it's just things that um, they serve other purposes other than to just be ridden. And, like, uh, it's a pretty good discussion. Um, you may or may not like some of it, but that doesn't change the fact that there are reasons why things are the way they are. And I thought it was good to get with Harry and let everyone else know what those reasons are. And, um, you know, there there is a lot of good discussion in this as far as, like, cool things that are happening, too. So hopefully that doesn't uh, put a negative spin on this, this episode. Um, there's also another section in it dealing with um, the current situation we're all facing, which is the COVID-19 coronavirus uh, government mandated shutdown, stay-at-home orders, quarantine, whatever you guys want to call it. But um, right now, the wheel mill is not able to be open. So there's just some discussion as to what that means, really, uh, both short-term and long-term, and, um, you know, what, what Harry's got going on for the wheel mill in the meantime. So definitely listen into this one, and, uh, yeah. I think you're going to like it, so thanks. Want to buy some tires? <laughs> <laughs> so I can get I out of here. I started that at the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm just going to do an intro later. So, uh, what's up, Harry? <laughs> How's it going, Andy? <laughs> um, we are at the wheel mill, <laughs> and uh, I don't really want to get into the details of that yet. You and I were supposed to talk a while ago. Yeah, yeah. And we, we did talk personally. We were going to bring this onto the podcast space, and then um, that just didn't happen for <laughs> reasons we'll get into later. <laughs> <laughs> Some crazy international event. But... Um, I guess let's just talk like formalities, uh, demographic stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I know you've you've been on other podcasts, you've done other interview stuff. So, like, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people probably know, but yeah, let's do it anyway. Sure. Who are you? Uh, <laughs> where are we? What is this place? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. how long have you been doing it? Stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm Harry Geyer, the owner of the Wheel Mill, and we had our community meeting in gosh March maybe of 2012 and got the got the blessing of everybody to be able to start the rezoning and permitting and all that fun side of the business and um, and at that meeting at that public meeting uh, was Mike Hallahan and uh, he said that's really really awesome I take my well, at that time, two kids uh, to raise like three or four times a week. It would be really nice to have a bike park in Pittsburgh. I know these two brothers. They 
talk about a lot of the things that you were talking about. Um, they've got a lot of awesome experience. Um, can I introduce them to you? And boom, the Patozny brothers, <laughs> which was like a package deal because with the Patozny brothers, you get, you know, Peckich and Yagel and Arcus and, <laughs> and, and a huge extended family. A huge of, extended family. Of yeah. Everyone so, in so, the BMX world. So I, yeah, I married into uh, a big BMX family with Mike and Mark, which was totally awesome uh, because I had been a long time since I was in the BMX scene, like real long time. So, um, so that was, that was great. Um, but yeah, we opened up April of uh, 2013, middle of April. So we actually just had our, whatever that would be now, seven year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of sucked having it while we're closed down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, but no, we're happy to be here still, still kicking. And uh, yeah, so it, it definitely started with um, like Ray's being the idea, you know, or, or something, you know, something of that style, myself being a, a mountain biker, um, but also like really loving to push what I know how to ride, um, having all these other things that like, I couldn't ride when I was riding BMX uh, back in the 80s and um, having that available to me to even like try, it was, it was an awesome thought, so. Um, yeah, it basically started with that, like things that were in my brain and things that were in Mike and Mark's brain and, um, you know, things that we, we I'd have to say we had a pretty, if for as much knowledge as Mike and Mark had and as many places around the, mostly the country, a few outside the country rides, uh, as much experience as we all had, I think we still had like a really like narrow, very personal coming from our own perspective view of, of what we wanted to ride and what we wanted to build in the park. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that really changed a whole lot, like, and continues to change like year after year after year. So I think that's good though. Cause one thing that you generally have that not every other park has is some variety mm -hmm. and I don't even mean that around the park mm -hmm. I mean that in you go to a park halfway around the world from here and they're mm -hmm. gonna have the same stupid box jump and the same stupid spine mm -hmm. and a seven foot quarter after it that's gonna ride just like every other seven foot quarter yeah, yeah. and after you travel to certain places mm -hmm. for long enough you're just like why yeah <laughs> why am why am i gonna go somewhere else to ride the same ramps i have at home okay yeah yeah well that's cool to hear that, that that's cool um i mean i i can't say enough about mike and mark's creativity and their you know their vision of kind of like banning the the box word you know from jumps <laughs> like we're not making any boxes this is going to feel like dirt, you know, that was, yeah. their, that was their thing. And, and I, I coming from a carpentry background was like, I never built ramps before, but I feel like we 
I know that if you throw some crazy shape at me, I can make sure that it's safe. Um, you make sure that it rides good and I'll make sure it's safe. So we like took those two things and we're like, there's no rules, you know, cause we kind of have uh, what we felt were like the two most important things covered. Like it's gotta be cool and ride great. And then it's gotta be durable and safe. So, right. um, which I think like, we definitely sat around scratching our heads a lot. Like how in the world are we going to get the wood to go this way kind of thing, you know, or in like wondering like, man, should we have built this out of concrete? Like, should we, you know, we, we're constantly like mm -hmm. second guessing ourselves in a, in, in a lot of, a lot of areas, but, uh, and then getting hooked up with Burley Matt was huge. Yeah. Cause I mean, we were just talking about him, but, uh, um, yeah, his like problem solving creativity, um, we would just like, we, like Mike and I would work our, and Mark would, we'd work ourselves into like a point where we're like, okay, we got this section going from here to here. And then this other section going from there to there, but we have no idea how to connect the two together because if we put a roller here, it's going to be too long. And if we put a jump here, it's going to be too short. And if we, you know, like, we couldn't figure out, we couldn't solve the problem of like, how do we connect, you know, these two sections? Cause this building is so chopped up. Like you really have to take what you get. And, and then it was always like, well, let's just ask Burley Matt and he'll, he'll know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like saved our asses on that stuff. Like I, numerous times. <laughs> I assume he's similar to my buddy, Derek. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that like, Whenever I make a cut with a saw, it, it's got to be like pretty well lined out and like firm, fixed against something, and like uh, straight cuts. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll watch my buddy Derek stand there and look at like a bowl corner for a second, uh -huh. look at his two by four, uh -huh. and just hold it up in the air and just like free form shave the two by four with the circular saw <laughs> yeah, into totally. shape. Yeah. And it fits exactly how it needs to. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. That is mind boggling it's that you can do ridiculous. that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's how Burley is. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it just holds a two by four or two by six in one hand and saw in the other. And yeah, he might make like a couple pencil marks, but there's like, there's the, the width of the board. Then there's like the angle of the templates in one plane. And then there's the angle of the templates in another plane. And then there's like the radius of the bowl and he yeah. just like, yeah, eyeballs it and like, yeah. And you're like, that's insane. <laughs> I guess, you know, you can only do it so many times before you don't need to do it with like a protractor and right, right. a proper miter saw anymore. Yeah. He's got like some serious muscle memory on that. It's like, yeah, for sure. It's fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Back to like, the discussion about building it stuff that rides like trails not like boxes yeah yeah i know some of the stuff it raises is pretty good and some of the stuff i think it's just the rollers at the tops are dragged out too long and then it goes so it goes from roller at the top directly into like transition mm -hmm. so i'm not even going to use them as the example did you ever go to cranks up in new york before they closed i never down? made it to cranks now their original box lines were like a very long roller at the top side okay. into the transition. Uh -huh. And it didn't matter how you hit them. 
it either felt like you were casing a little bit uh -huh. or landing flat. Oh, uh, okay. And it had that, like, awful box jump feel uh, to a lot is, of it. Yeah, I couldn't find a sweet spot and on it. I think I'm probably going to get the person wrong because I wasn't involved that much, but okay. I think they had Ron Kimler come out and help them Okay. finish up some of their, like, berms and, like, rebuild a smaller jump set that had proper landings and gotcha. rode a lot better. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I had made some uh, prototype rollers, and I was, like, on, I mean, at the time I was on a, 26 inch full suspension mountain bike and uh you kind of you kind of can't tell a lot of the details when you're on like a full squish mountain bike mm -hmm. when it comes to like the nuances of the shape of a roller and uh like i build them and i was like yeah this feels pretty good <laughs> and then mike is like oh <laughs> like we are not using these rollers <laughs> And I was like, what? And then he built them, and I was like, oh. And I got on, like, a rigid DJ and, mm -hmm. and uh, was like, okay, yeah, I get it. These are, like, super abrupt and, like, don't work at all. And Yeah, that was, like, a an eye-opener for me. Yeah. <laughs> don't test with a full suspension bike because everything will feel <laughs> kind of the same. <laughs> I've always laughed at how bad you can build something and have it still feel good, though. Like, yeah. by the time you throw three layers of plywood on something, it feels... Yeah, smooth yeah, but then you I mean, go to places that it feels like awful and you're like how bad did you build this yeah right <laughs> how did you get it so wrong uh yeah yeah it's tough i mean it it is and, and sometimes that's do it all plywood, the time like, cr cracks internally and you've got like three quarters of a sheet nailed in and then like this one little section is like and you're like oh there's gonna be a little kink there this sucks but then you're like we can't tear this whole sheet out or whatever. Sometimes Mike, yeah. makes, sometimes Mike, Mike's makes us do it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause it's just the next layer will crack as you're pumping over that spot. Yeah. It'll be, be a problem forever. You kind of have to, but yeah. Yeah. But no, that's, that's all cool. Yeah. Um, I had one more thing I was going to say about that, and I totally lost it. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just go with that. There we go, yeah. Uh, okay, we're, we're going to circle back to, like, what we were originally going to talk about here, yeah, which yeah. is a um, little bit of background would be I had a post on Instagram <laughs> and was grinding one of the new obstacles that you built in the one room. <laughs> uh and on that post, I don't think I said anything other than challenge accepted uh -huh. <laughs> and maybe a questionable hashtag on there, uh -huh. but it prompted <laughs> just a whole bunch of backlash and barrage of comments right. that were like, <laughs> okay, this is kind of unexpected, but right, um, right. I know that it, it mostly brought some, some issues up on your side as the park owner yeah going where's all this coming from yeah yeah so you and i had a, a discussion one-on-one -on -one. we talked through a lot of like what's going on and the reasons why and i think a lot of other people probably should know what's going on from your point of view when you make a decision that someone might be like, man, that's super lame. It's a fun killer whatever. Right, right, for sure. So um, that was that's like a very high level uh, 
discussion there, and I don't know that it's valuable to go into the specifics. Anyone that wants to can find that post. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's talk about part of that discussion was keeping skill levels, like, mm -hmm. for each other. Right, and right. I guess I'll let you go whichever way you want to go with this and, and just yeah, let you yeah. kind of to run, so... For sure, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, and once again, thank you for talking with me that night. That was, I felt a lot better <laughs> after I, talking with you. About I think it's that probably stuff. good for yeah. both of us on that one. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess, I mean, maybe. So the, in terms of like where my motivation for pretty much anything that happens here comes from is. I need to, I feel like it's my responsibility to figure out how to number one, make sure that the wheel mill is a sustainable business. And by sustainable, that means not just how little is Harry willing to get paid and how much of his he and his wife's life savings can he siphon off into the park every year <laughs> because that's not sustainable. What if something happens to me? Um, what person, what bank, et cetera, is going to step in and be like, all right, let's look at the numbers and, and say like, okay, well, this is, sounds reasonable to keep as a business. Let's keep the wheel mill open. We'll find somebody who's, you know, who wants to own it or like just take anybody who's interested let's say you know Andrew Vargasen is like I want to take over the wheel mill but I'm going to need a loan and then a bank looks at the numbers and is like yeah right this doesn't make any sense we're never going to give you a loan and then it's like it's over yeah so to me sustainability means not just like not just for me like I need to make this much because that's never been what it's about it's what if something happens to me how do you keep the wheel mill going without some charity case kind of thing? And then beyond that, my next feeling of responsibility is how do I come up with a business model that could potentially be used in locate more locations around the U S slash the world? Because we all know like skate parks, like, come and go and come mm -hmm. and go and come and go and like I don't think anyone's found the formula yet to where like there's no chain of skate parks you know like I, I mean Vans is probably the closest to it or Woodward or Woodward I mean and Ray's tried Milwaukee didn't work um, you know it's it's, I liked that park better than the Ohio one as just a side note. Yeah. <laughs> but money, you know, and it wasn't a yeah. huge amount of money. Like my understanding was it was like maybe $250,000 was the tipping point. And it's like, yeah, that's a heck of a lot of money. But if you're looking at like a... Not when you're looking at business. Not but. when you're looking at business. Yeah, exactly. So to say that that, uh, that deal got torpedoed over that, and I could be totally wrong. So, but... But yeah, either way, you don't see like, it's not like Sky Zone or, you know, like all these other franchise active things that you see like Top Golf or, you know. Black Mamba might be 
I think it's like a little mall chain that does small pop-up parks. Oh, okay, cool. I might also be wrong on that, but I... Okay, yeah, yeah. Side note again. Sure, and and I'm also thinking on the scale of indoor bike park. So I'm thinking like, let's say the wheel mill would be like the smallest example mm-hmm. of that kind of park. Yep. Um, which is kind of a different animal than like a, a smaller skate park. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it is. I mean, like once you get to that scale, then there's some different dynamics that go on. Yeah, um, you're you're not talking about the back end of an old grocery store. You're talking about an entire city block of <laughs> yeah. an industrial complex, yeah, basically. Exactly. So it's definitely a different animal. But yeah, so that's sort of like I feel is my secondary responsibility is to keep tweaking this until I have some kind of business model where it's number one sustainable for us in the long term and then number two potentially potentially able to get into a similar situation in a similar you know city area um, so that more people can have access to bike parks and please build it totally different than the wheel mill and so that like you said it's worth going to because the stuff is like original and 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 unique and fun to ride uh, but the business model would be the same mm-hmm. just the terrain would be different um, so yeah, that's my motivation for basically every decision I make at the wheel mill from that standpoint. So, um, you know, and like Mike and I have always talked about like, what's the pyramid of riders, you know, like you take the point of the pyramid and there's like a few riders that are that good. And you know, what do they want? What attracts them to the park? And then how much revenue are they contributing to the park? Whether it's directly from if they're, you know, paying to get in to like, if we tell people that they're coming, are other people going to come too? And, and like, unfortunately, like the top of the pyramid is just does not make any sense for revenue, you know? No. Um, and then you like go to the very bottom of the pyramid and in it, you kind of end up in a, like, have you found that yet? The bottom of the pyramid? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the bottom of the pyramid starts turning into like, yeah, I mean, it turns into like, why aren't there more flat areas for my kid to ride with training wheels? So it's almost like you get into this, like, do you guys allow tricycles? Do you guys allow scooters? Do you guys mm-hmm. allow training wheels? Like, that's for us, like the bottom of the pyramid. And um, yeah, so so now you take those two groups and, and you like say like, all right, let's all ride together. <laughs> You know, and it's like, oh, man, this isn't going to work very well. Yeah. So um, that's like our that's our challenge is like, how do we reach the biggest number of riders? Um, But then also, how do we get those riders to be able to progress through the pyramid? Because we want to see that, too. Um, I mean, we'd be much happier if we like turned the pyramid into a square because we took all those kids that were just getting started and we like got them to be able to ride super rad and then we were like able to be like yeah we're just gonna make more expert level stuff because so many more kids are expert level and it's mm-hmm. just normal to do that now like that would be that would be cool if we could kind of square up the pyramid a little bit um but um but yeah so we are to be able to have a business model where we can appeal to a large largest number of people so that they'll come and pay to, to get in and we can keep the lights on um 
we end up with these challenges of this is how a you know this is how a four-year-old kid on a balance bike rides and this is how a 22 year old guy who's been riding since he was three years old rides the woods jump room and um and then like it gets kind of nuanced and that's where we like had that conflict of like user groups basically Mm -hmm. because we had this feature that was like uh intended for like basically like balance bike just got off training wheels level riders but it also ended up being like the perfect session piece Mm -hmm. for like higher level street riders people with pegs or whatever well and i think even going back to your pyramid example Mm -hmm. at that point you're not talking about one pyramid yeah you're talking about a handful of different pyramids under different disciplines yeah like they they blend together at the base Mm -hmm. but there's multiple points on that pyramid so yeah yeah for sure once you hit a certain point there's expert level features that are for this group expert level features for this group oh yeah for sure yeah it's yeah and it's tough um people different riders want to ride the same thing different ways and um so like we try to solve that problem purely by creating purely with physical space like you know putting something in a line that just has zero appeal to a certain other rider and you know but there's never any like if you're an expert rider everything is backwards compatible <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and that's the cool thing and that's like one of the beautiful things about BMX is that you can take the most simple of things and you can session it and do like the coolest thing on it and which makes it really hard to to like design a way that inner like that uh user conflict um because anything a beginner is going to be able to ride an expert level rider is going to be able to do something cool with it Mm -hmm. so um then we get into like the sociological side of it where it's like you got a young rider that's most likely uh from a family of non-riders or it it it's a situation we just see a lot here where it's like Mm -hmm. mom's bringing in a kid on a strider or the babysitter's bringing in a kid on a strider and like the babysitter isn't like they're not like shredding you know (laughs) they're just like i uh their parents told me to bring them in you know and uh so they don't know anything about bike culture and they see these like obviously like skilled riders in this area that's green that they thought that was the right area for their you know little rider and uh but then they see all these other riders and they're like i guess we shouldn't ride here and they're just not confident enough to say anything like hey do you guys mind if my kid or this kid rides his balance bike through here because everyone here's super friendly and if they did ask that question like everyone here would be like oh yeah sure go ahead yeah we'll get yeah. out of the way you know well, which is like the other crazy part of it. And, well and not not being familiar with bike culture 
doesn't understand that even though we're all ripping around there, maybe going three times faster than what this kid's going to go, maybe more yeah. than that. Yeah. They don't understand that, like, we're constantly scanning the area. Like, sure. We are not going to hit this kid. Yep. Yep. 99.5% of the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and then the other part of it that I noticed, because, I mean, it's my job to observe all this stuff. I'll like hang out in a corner of a room and what'll happen is these like a parent and their small child will get near an area to where they just can see it visually and they see a group of, you know, whatever young, you know, what, whatever kind of group it is, some group of kids there or young adults or whatever, uh, expert level riders sessioning, they won't even like go the rest of the way into that area they either just like bypass it or they like turn around and go away and that to me when i saw that happening like repeatedly i was like oh man this is like i need to address this some other way because these people aren't even like going far enough to where like what you said like i know you guys are always looking out to make sure you don't run into anybody like we're not even we don't even have the opportunity to get to that point you know because these people are just looking and deciding for themselves, like maybe this isn't the area I should bring my kid. And how many times can a person do that in one day at the same place before they just don't come back? Exactly. And not only that, but we have the exact opposite problem, which is why we put all those signs up that are like, no balance bikes in this area, no balance bikes in this area, no balance bikes in this mm -hmm. area, because like they were getting into the pump track. And like, it's same thing for me. Like, how many, you know, how many times do you go by the pump track and see a kid on a balance bike there before you're like, screw this, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to go to another room. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, so the same thing happens like in, in reverse. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to even bring that up because it, whether it's kids on balance bikes or just like low level kids that are pedaling around the, the ramps yeah. in the big, <laughs> or in the park room and you're like, I guess I'm going to hit box jumps for a few minutes before yeah, we'll sure. let this clear out. And, yeah, uh, let the flat bottom but, party come to a conclusion. But you're unique in the sense that your park affords that option to just go to another room. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's, and that's, I think, a reasonable ask to some degree to be like, hey, you know, there are other people here that are trying to, you know, because for me, like, you know, I like... I'm still learning how to ride the mini ramp and that kind of transition riding and stuff like that. So I'm not going to go into like the mini ramp and like do a full shred session on it because like I can't, you know, like mm -hmm. I might be like airing out three inches, air out three inches, air th three inches and then be like, okay, I'm really dizzy now and I'm going to leave, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, but it's not that I'm not trying and I don't want to be part of that scene. You know, it's just that I'm just not there yet. And, uh, um, so like, yeah, so you like, you have kids that just flat out don't belong in a certain area. And then you have kids that are like, they don't belong yet, but if they don't try, they'll never belong. And then, um, and then you got people who've got it, you know, more or less figured out and they're, you know, doing their mm -hmm. session there. So yeah, you know, trying to, we don't want the kids that have no business being there. Like you can't even like, 
make a turn in the flat bottom without falling down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you shouldn't be in the park room if you can't like ride around the spine without falling yeah, if down. If you can't functionally use the quarter pipe as a berm to at least aid with your turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then please like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, suck it up and go practice somewhere else. Like, you know. Um, so yeah, we're trying to do it both in both directions, like make sure that people don't just like visually look and without even saying anything because i've talked to parents um of kids on balance bikes where i'm like hey did you guys see the sign that says no balance bikes in this area and they're like i've had them over and over different parents say oh yeah but there was no one here and so but if someone comes in we get out right away and i was like well do you realize that when a rider comes into the room and they see a kid on a balance bike in the pump track that they just ride right by and they don't even bother stopping because they, they don't want to be mean to you and be like, Hey, you get out of the, you know, like everyone here, everyone here errs on the side of being really nice, which is awesome. But then it also (laughs) like creates its own problem because people (laughs) like aren't actually saying like, Hey, you know, there aren't supposed to be balance bikes here. Can, you know, like I'd like to take a, you know, a lap on this thing so so it's that's and that's our job like we don't we don't want to make a park where people have to be confrontational yeah so you know well so, and it, yeah. it's like to the rider's point you know everyone has just as much right to be in that park space as anyone else does to a degree so like when i would if i were the one saying mm-hmm. man i really want to go ride the park room right now and i go yeah. back there and there's 12 little kids back there like yeah they have just as much right to be back here as I do. So let them have their fun and I can come back in 20 minutes. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, but, I think there's a limit to that. But I'm also biased in the sense that, like, one, I have a pass. Yeah. I can come and go pretty much as I please. Sure, yeah. And I'm also a local. So, mm-hmm. like, those two things pair well to just be like, eh, whatever, not Yeah, time. really, yeah. This is not a battle I need to fight. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you drove three hours and, you know, you're, you're like, you've got one day in town and, you know, like, yeah, then that's like a different story. And, and there's really, there's really no reason that those kids need to be there. You know, there are plenty of other things for them to be entertained on. Like we built all this other stuff for them to that, be entertained That on. afford the same obstacles. Yeah. For the most part. And are probably set up in a way that's better for them to actually progress their riding. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's the whole thing. Like it would be, you know, and Mike and I talked about this, like, especially early on, like trickle down economy kind of thing. And we thought like there would be more trickle down effect of like, let's build the hard stuff and get the better riders in here. And then other people will follow them in. And we, yeah, trickle down economy doesn't work for <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> it didn't work for us. Um, you know, it's cool and I love it, and uh, but it doesn't like it doesn't work that way. It, it, it might speak to why most parks only exist around ten years. Yeah, you think? You build everything that the the current scene can handle. Okay. Those people age out of riding or riding that often, let's even uh, say. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you've brought in not a sustainable replacement set. Right, right. Because you couldn't get them up to speed quick enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Plus, something that you guys have done really well about, at least from the outsider perspective, like a lot of those parks that get into the five-year club or whatever, Mm -hmm. start just letting people ride for free. Uh, They let their friends in. They let any any high-level pro, not pro, whatever, the, the local pro. Right. Right. Oh, you can come in for free. Right. Which starts out with like a free shout out and then people show up and then it gets lazy and they're like, yeah, yeah you're going to let me in anyway. I don't even really need to do the shout out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that like really impressed me about like a lot of the local pro riders here is that they were like, no, I want to pay because I want you to be around like for a long time so I can keep riding here. And I, and they, they knew exactly what you're saying where it's like, yeah. And I've had a couple of owners, like park owners tell me like, yeah, that's been a huge problem uh, and a huge cause of parks closing is yeah. The buddy, the buddy system. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I want to be able to pay our staff living wage, you know, at, at the least. So yeah, I can't like, do that to them and mm-hmm. you know all that business and so yeah but yeah i mean you have to create that rider pipeline i think you know because kids are gonna find other things that they enjoy more than bike riding um so like that base of the pyramid is gonna get smaller just because kids are like yeah it's, it was really fun but i'm into this other thing you know yeah um and i think if you like the nice thing about the park is that it's like zero pressure and that's one thing that I was surprised that I've seen throughout the years is that I feel like that attitude of the park is so much about like just hang out with your friends and have fun and ride and just enjoy riding. And it's not about like one upping and all this other kind of stuff that there are a number of kids and you might even know some of them that they don't come here too often now that they're 13, 14, 15 because they're into something else. But but when they do come, they're just like, bloop, they like fit right in and they have a good time. And um, it's just that like bike riding isn't their number one thing anymore, mm-hmm. but they're not afraid to come back, which yeah. I'm really happy about that, that they feel comfortable of like, oh yeah, I don't have to be like anything special to show up and have fun riding bikes. Yeah. So. I think that also pairs well with the skill level of the park too. You know, they can go take a couple practice laps somewhere before they have to dive into the, the woods room big line. and Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> get a little warmed <laughs> man, up. Man, ha- haven't ridden in, you know, nine months, say, yeah. and they got to yeah gotta shake the rust off on the big line. They m- right, right. might not want to. Yep, for sure. But I think, you know, kind of like back to your original question or topic, you know, we need to do a better job of, communicating to all of the riders and we've been kind of like thinking of video ideas of how to do this um of like bringing it to everyone's attention of like hey different people use the park in different ways and and in a lot maybe in a long form format kind of go into like hey this type of rider uses this feature this way and then this type of rider is going to use it this way and we can we can share it as long as we all you know take our turn um, and then like also be like, this is why we don't allow balance bikes in this area. And then this is why we ask expert riders to not session the green 
area, you know, that kind of thing. So just kind of explain to people like it's not just because we like to tell people you can't do this or you can't do that. It's just sort of like um, so I used to live in Taiwan for a while and there was a there was a town in the south of the island that when you get to a red light, you go. And when you get to a green light, you stop because everyone kept running the red lights. So in order not to get into an accident, when you got to an intersection that had a green light, you would just slow down and come to a stop expecting people to run the red light. So it just flipped. And like, I was like, God, that's so insane. And then I'm like here at the wheel mill and I see like <laughs> striders in the park room and an expert rider is sessioning the green line. And I'm like, oh my God, it happened here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not that insane after all. I guess it's not that insane. Like <laughs> this is what humans will do if you leave them to their own devices. So like part of it's just like, yeah, we're just like corralling like human nature. Cause like you let a few striders into the park room and like, or whatever. And like, and the expert riders are like, we can't really session here anymore cause it's been overtaken. And then they move off to the green lines and then some, you know, some beginner riders just come in, you know, just come into the park and they're like, okay, I can't ride the green line. Where are all the other beginner riders? Oh, they're all in the park room. I'll go there too. And you yeah. end up with like bizarro world. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is like fun for a second cause you can ride different things, but, uh, but it's not really like functional for the park. So yeah. It's it's terrible for those out of towners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they come in and like, what is going on? <laughs> like, so, yeah, that's kind of kind of the idea. Uh, and then that like will transition. I think you touched pretty much all of that part. Yeah, yeah. Other than like also maybe the safety side of things more. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Um, because our discussion led into like training seminars and, and whatnot that you and Mike yeah at the very least have attended or sure. listened to yeah. in some fashion. Yeah, that was a huge eye opener for Mike and I when we got invited to participate in the uh National Ski Area Association conference uh this last summer. Um it was held at Seven Springs and uh, Keith from Ray's, uh, was invited to speak and we, we spoke with Keith on a panel about, um, how indoor parks and, and outdoor parks could potentially collaborate or, you know, and like share information about demographics and, and, uh, all kinds of things essentially. Um, and luckily we were able to attend a lot of other sessions while we were at the conference other than just the one that we were speaking at. And, uh, so Mike and I kind of divided and conquered and we did, you know, a little bit of everything, but, but actually the vast majority of, uh, sessions that were at this conference and it was a, I don't know, two or three day conference, um, were about risk management <laughs> and like, you know, seven spring or like the, uh, ski area association had their like couple people from their legal counsel there. And you're, you're just like, should I have legal counsel <laughs> for risk management? <laughs> and it was like only for risk management, you know, wasn't there legal counsel for anything else. And, uh, and then, you know, finding out that these parks have like full time risk management departments. I'm like, uh, we have like one person in each department and we don't have a full time risk management department. And, uh, 
you know, they're talking about like, oh yeah, well we use this particular software and, and these special cameras that tell you like elevation and distance. And uh, we use this other special camera that you can take pictures of the accident scene and it'll, it'll create a, a three-dimensional rendering of the incident. And we're just like, oh geez, we're like. <laughs> <laughs> you look up with your rock hammers and just go, oh. yeah totally it was like are we missing something but i mean you're not in such a developed industry yeah yeah like 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 we talked about skate parks exist for like a max of 10 years in most cases yeah yeah and like we don't see the numbers that a ski resort sees and you know so like we will get we were listening to like the numbers that they do and like they're they'll have on a busy weekend in the winter like seven springs will have as many people as we'll have an entire year they'll see in just one weekend like friday through sunday that would be like our annual attendance they would do in three days (laughs) (laughs) so it's like yeah it doesn't even compare so after we got over the shock of all that kind of stuff we were we were listening to you know, what they were talking about. And, and the principles are, you know, uh, design, inform, maintain. So design things safely, inform people about them, and make sure you maintain everything so it isn't falling apart. And, uh, you know, so those ideas were developed as far as, you know, like what that, what the, what does it mean to design something safe for safety, not just like design so that it doesn't fall apart, but design it so that you know, there's an expectation of safety, you know, when people use it. If it's an expert trail, that it has expert features. If it's a beginner trail, it only has beginner features on it. Um, and we have already been doing a lot of that at the wheel mill in terms of making changes to adjust things as we notice traffic patterns and things like that. But um, it really was a, a big eye opener. And we kind of went back and took a look at each room and was and and looked at it and and asked ourselves like did what did we design this room to do and what we designed it to do is that inherently safe or are we asking for problems and you know we got to the pump track and we're like yeah we designed this thing for these sweet transfers where you end up going backwards (laughs) (laughs) and then we were like oh man like that's where you get, you know, that's mm-hmm. where the lawyers tear you apart, you know, when they're like, yeah, you designed this thing for head on collisions, you know, and we were like, oh, You're like no, 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 but, no, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I understand your point. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we were just like, okay, I think we need to put these barriers up and then uh, have special sessions where it's like controlled so that we don't have head on collisions. And, you know, and it's like, because like, uh, after that, after we did that or right before we did that, I, I watched a kid, like he went down, he rolled in down the, the BMX gate and he went off the, uh, first roller into the industry nine berm. Mm -hmm. And then he rolled the whole track backwards to get back out as like other kids were coming in forwards. Cause you get a bunch of like seven, nine year old kids and they're like not thinking about these things. So you can't, you have to design it so that it's foolproof for these kids mm-hmm. and some adults who aren't thinking about those things. 
because um, a lot of people are like, if I can do it, it must be okay to do it. Like, if it is physically possible for me to do something, then the park must be telling me it's safe to go do that thing. And like, I don't think that's rational, but there are a lot of humans out there that are like, if I can physically do this, then the park must be telling me it's okay to do this. I see, I, I see that other people could think that way. And I, I think there's a parallel thought that mm. like, it's okay sometimes. Well, yeah, and, but, and that's, but that's, that's a more rational that's, thought. <laughs> that's where you're like, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But everyone needs to be on the same page here and you need to be able to go, should I do this now? Right. Look both ways and go, yeah, not the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see it even on like the small jump line. Mm-hmm. There'll be a kid that's just like, can I hit it backwards? And there's like 10 people on the deck running laps and like they'll kind of block the entrance. Like, can I go backwards on it? And you're like, there's like 10 people going right now, man. Yeah. Why do you need to hit it backwards? Yeah. 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 I just want to do it. Yeah whatever fine do it but then he'll run like four laps on it. And you're like whoa man whoa yeah, yeah yeah we gave you the like okay to do it one time to like yeah get it off your chest and right, now right. join the rotation <clears throat> but yeah, like yeah. yeah this isn't like what, what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and it's way harder with kids because their like concept of other humans is like very limited um but yeah even some adults like like they're telling you about that kid that got T-boned by an adult who was a good rider, but just didn't realize that the kid was a better, better yeah, rider, better rider. <laughs> and got around the track way faster than he thought he could. So, uh, so yeah, even you have even like, you know, stuff like that happen. So, you know, and that's really like, it's really our responsibility, especially as we invite the bottom of the pyramid in to come ride. Like we're not expecting these people to be like oh i i've watched 3000 videos on youtube so i kind of have a feel for you know what skate parks look like you've got like a friend of some other kid's mom's friend that was like oh i heard that that my that their kid had a lot of fun at the wheel mill so i'm bringing them and they've never watched you know they have no idea Mm -hmm. the dynamic so like it's those people that we have to design kind of foolproof safety for or it's joey's birthday party yeah and yeah his entire class got invited and no one even knew what it was before they showed up. For sure. And honestly, like, like I don't want this to be Chuck E. Cheese and we like draw the line on a lot of things for like beginner riders and that kind of deal and kids playing on ramps and stuff like that. And like we, you know, but we have gained so many riders that came here with birthday parties. And we're like, this is the coolest thing ever. And that's what we want. I mean, I feel like everyone in the sport should want that because the other part of my goal is like, we want like park riding, freestyle riding, that kind of like technical riding, like, like that kind of riding. We want that to be like a basketball court and a baseball diamond. Like we want every town to be like, yeah, of course you would have a skate park, you know, an mm-hmm. outdoor park or some kind of pump track or like we want it to be like when you go to the, you know, the council meeting in every town, like all the moms are like, we need a pump track, you know, 
or mm -hmm. we need a quarter pipe, you know, like, as opposed to like, why, why isn't there a baseball yeah, diamond for my kid yeah, to you, play at? You got 20 baseball diamonds in this town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about one pump track? <laughs> you know, like that's my other goal is like, let's make this so normal that every angry mom and dad is at the, you know, whatever, at the school board meeting and at the mm -hmm. city council meeting saying like, we need a pump track for our kids. We need a skate park for our kids. Like we need to just make it normal for normal humans. And, and like, uh, so that we all benefit, you know, from it yep. so that when they put freaking sand in the skate park, you have every, <laughs> every mom and dad calling up city council and being like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, that, that whole situation is kind of funny. <laughs> I like that there was sand almost immediately dumped at city hall. <laughs> did you see the craigslist post about that too that's right yeah. <laughs> free sand free you sand. all <laughs> uh, i wanted to put it in an open public place so that it would be safe for social distancing <laughs> that's good uh, oh, that's yeah it's pretty awesome like hats off to whoever did all I, that I like Polish Hill, but I also like the comments that are like, well, it's a good thing you chose literally the worst park in the area to do that at. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's real funny, though. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, you, you led into the, the discussion about the pump track walls, so that was, that was a, one of the things I wanted to talk about. But on the broader yeah. vision of that same thing, like, as you've as you've observed your uh patrons riders family members yeah um random guests what you know whatever you want to call yeah it's different types of people that sure. come in here yeah um and you know attended conferences and just kind of learned through yeah. through the years now uh how has your vision of the park itself changed like what I'm, what I see for the future of the park or, um, I mean, obviously things have had to change to, to accommodate what you're seeing, but right, yeah. Right. Um, you know, and maybe it's a, another good question. What is your primary demographic right now? Like, I guess if you're appealing to the bottom of the barrel, you get striders and you get BMX bikes because that's what sure 12 year old kids get. That's what's on sale at target. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like maybe even percentages would be cool. Like how many mountain bikes do you get in here? I guess you'd probably have to break that hard tail, full suspension. Yeah. And BMX and like, what are they riding? Right, right. Um, you know, it changes a lot throughout the year, you know, for obvious reasons in terms of, or maybe not obvious reasons, you know, in the winter we're super busy um, and people from all over the place. And then like we're dead and, September if it's like dry and warm and everything outdoor is awesome then we're pretty dead here which makes total sense um, summer we're filled with like kids in summer camp um, and that's been Mike just has been crushing that program and and we've been able and the and I think it's pretty representative of you know what we're able to do with kids. Like we started off with one camp. It was like 
kids summer bike camp and it was one level and that was it and now we have five levels of camp so i think that really speaks to like how we're able to, to develop riders at the wheel mill where we now have a camp where we actually just take kids out of the wheel mill and go ride other skate parks and um and then like we can work on particular things at the wheel mill but then but then yeah they just go out and they put what they've learned here to to use everywhere else and kind of broaden their worldview a little bit and um but uh but even the fact that there are we've ha we have so many kids that have stuck with it and love it enough to where we have five levels of camp is pretty awesome and uh i would say that i mean just i think part of so we're so constrained by space and we're constrained by budget and like if space was not a concern and budget was not a concern then yeah things would definitely look different and be different um so it's uh it's a tricky question to answer because so many of the things that we do are because this is the best we feel like we can do with the space that we have mm -hmm. and in the budget that we have and um so i would say like on the the mountain bike demographic a lot of mountain bikers have finally realized if i spend the winter at the wheel mill on a 20 inch bike or on a dirt jumper when i go back out to the trails in the spring my riding is a billion times better and that's finally caught on so a lot of big wheel bike riders have just bought dirt jumpers and spent the winter you know working on transition riding and that kind of thing and um that's just kind of like part of the routine now which i think is awesome um and there are also a lot more mountain bikers that are like i want to learn how to do i want to learn how to ride the woods room on my 29er and there are a lot more of those people and that's been pretty cool to just see like some guy who's like 37 years old on like a fully rigid you know uh fat tire 29er <laughs> spend like two months straight hammering away in the woods room and then just finally just like get to where he's like flying through everything and just like hell yeah dude you rocked it like <laughs> that was awesome and yeah like, and just like a person who you never would have expected like oh here's this you know middle-aged guy on a single speed 29 or rigid that's like yeah I, I am determined to shred the woods room <laughs> and so like that's super cool to see that um but um bmx i think is still like our largest de demographic i would say and it's also really cool to see a lot of mountain bikers are like yeah i ride a 20 inch bike they're like i tried riding a dirt jumper but i feel like i can do so much more on a 20 inch bike and like that's a really special thing to me to see people kind of like let go of their egos a little bit and let go of their like not just their ego but um i think a, a lot of people have like real strong identity you know mm -hmm. and they're like having this hard time because like I've been on the I've been on mountain bike rides and if you like jump something or bunny hop something then like people will like label you like oh well you're a BMXer and I'm like dude the 
last time I rode BMX was like the last BMX race I did. I was eight years old. Yeah. So like I'm not, a, I don't think I could be called a BMXer at this point. You know, that was 40 years ago. Um, but they like see you do something with some skill and they're like, oh, well, you're a BMXer. You're not a mountain biker. And you're like, like what's that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? Why are you like saying it dismissively? And like, why can't I be in your little club just because I can bunny hop a log, you know? Uh, well, and, you know, no disrespect to anyone on a mountain bike, but probably ride better than you. <laughs> in, in a lot of the cases, when you go out to the mountain bike trails mm-hmm. and you like, yeah, yeah, I've only been out a handful of times, but yeah. You know, you shoot a skinny yeah, because it's a bridge over a little ravine and you're like, yeah. all right. And then like you look back and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. All these guys struggle with this? Like I thought that was just the tool to get from this side to that side. I didn't realize it was an obstacle. Yeah. (laughs) It's just the way you go. Yeah, definitely. There's like, there's some, and it's, and it's great to see that it's changing where people are like letting go of that identity of, uh, and letting go of like their their ego you know thinking like i don't want to do this technical stuff because then i have to confront how bad i am at riding and it's like dude nobody cares like i don't know if you've ever realized this most people aren't watching you yeah nobody cares what you're doing (laughs) yeah yeah if you come in here thinking that suddenly all eyes are going to be on you then like (laughs) yeah i'm sorry sorry to disappoint you but we don't care about you that much but it's happy to see you here that that even goes the other way too because anyone on a BMX bike is like oh mountain bikes stupid yeah. mountain bike sure and you're like I don't know if you ever realized this but all bikes are fun yeah yeah like, and it's also like you get some some I, some people on a BMX bike and they try to go for a mountain bike ride and they get like two miles in and they're like ah, 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 and you're like <laughs> yeah dude it's they put some time into their fitness like they've got some mad fitness like they dedicated a lot of time to that so even I mean, you you've been seeing it a lot with the spin classes you're wiping people out with that <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah for sure people that thought they could ride all day long spend 20 minutes in there and yeah yeah they're dead yeah you're like no sorry dude you can't do like two laps on the pump track and take eight minute break you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's not actually working out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go eat some Twix. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm so bad at having notes. <laughs> this, the last handful of podcasts I've done, I've actually written notes down and like oh, yeah. sent them ahead of time. And uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Am I accidentally becoming legit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, then I like don't want to miss anything that I, right, I had yeah. written down. No, that's cool. But I think we talked about a whole lot of the first section. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe to wrap part one of this up is yeah. like, if you think something's lame at the park, you should maybe ask why it's like that. For it's, sure. Because there's a lot of stuff... And I could drop names if I really felt like it, <laughs> and myself included here and there. But, like, sit out there and you're like, this is so dumb. Yeah, yeah. Like, why would we do this? Right. But there's reasons. Yeah, yeah. If you ask the right person, right, you'll get a good answer. But yeah, yeah. If you don't want a good answer, then just keep sitting out there being mopey and sad and annoying. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all create a story about why something's happening. And if most of us created, myself included, you create a story that supports like your view of the world and like how oppressed you are and, <laughs> you know, like all this kind of stuff and how the man's keeping you down and like all that kind of business. And it's like, because if you actually found out the real story, then you'd find out that like, that you kind of like, there's certain things like you have to just suck it up, you know, to be part of a society. <laughs> the way I always put it is you don't have to like it to understand it. Right. And if you can be open-minded enough to at least listen and understand the answer, yeah, then yeah. you can be open-minded enough to go, look, I see your point too. Right. Right. But, <laughs> and it's like weird to say, like, I'm asking you not to ride this because I want you to be able to ride the wheel mill for the next 20 years, which sounds contradictory to be like, mm -hmm. you're not allowed in this area because I want the wheel mill to be here for you. But that's kind of like what's happening mm -hmm. is like, if I can't, you know, if I, if we stop the pipeline by like intimidating all these young families and riders, then the wheel mill, like once that pipeline dries up, like you said, like then it's, then we're over. So, and it, and if, and if you don't care about like the future of the support of the sport, you know, beyond just your own riding, then I don't really want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, I don't want to hear somebody's like, oh, well, I'm moving in five years, so I don't give a crap what happens to the wheel mill after five years, you know, or like whatever. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going well, to You're just to a person. dick though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care about your opinion, <laughs> you know, but if you care about the sport 10 years from now, 15 years from now, if you like... Maybe you're going to have kids, maybe you're not. But, you know, like if you still want to see that sport, the sport growing, like not just clinging to life, but actually like growing and and and, be, you know, replacing some of these other sports that are kind of like shoved down our throats, like, uh, you know, then I would like and you still have an opinion about it, then I want to hear that, you know. But like, yeah, there's nothing that I'm doing. Like there's nothing that I'm doing because I want to keep people from doing stuff. And, and sometimes, and here's the other part, maybe that I don't think I talked about is that we're so like slim staffed here that like when a build project gets done, it's because like I'm pulled away from like all the stupid paperwork that I have to do. It's because I pull Mike away from all the obligations that he has to do. And so we're like always rushing to catch back up with all the other crap that we have to do. So like, sometimes the signage isn't there or the instructional video isn't there mm -hmm. or like the full explanation isn't there or like some of the fin finishing touches aren't there because we're like, okay, it's writable. We need to like, I need to send these emails. I need to get this newsletter out. I need to, you know, talk to these uh, sponsors. I need to, you know, whatever. And it's like, so like a lot of times, and it's our fault. Like we don't make the full communication of like, hey, we just built this line it's for beginner riders, make sure that they're able, you know, always able to ride it, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I'm going to speak for all of BMXers just based on the way we have to be riding street. Yeah. BMXers don't read signs. Yeah. If we read signs, then we're obligated to acknowledge <laughs> yeah. that they exist. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was another thing that I learned in Taiwan. Like if you didn't want someone to pull out in front of you, don't look at them. Because once you make eye contact, now you've become responsible for both of your behaviors. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, they totally saw me. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, yeah, you know, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
it's it's really like everything that we do here is like to try to make sure that the park is sustainable and that like that we could put some money in the bank so that when one of you guys comes up with a great idea of how to remodel the park room we're like hell yeah let's do it we've got some money in the bank but if we're always like scraping for money then it's like well no we can't afford to remodel the <laughs> i got park some room. scrap triangles go piece it together <laughs> yeah yeah totally so yeah so it's just like you know it really like will benefit everybody you know if we're able to like make sure that all the different types of riders all get their you know uh are able to ride and like new people that you don't even realize they just you just kind of it's almost like you have to keep the space clear so that when those people show up it's there for them and that's the hardest thing is to be like there's nobody else riding it why can't i ride it you know, that's mm -hmm. like next to impossible to ask somebody to do. But unfortunately, that's kind of like because the human dynamic. There's a lot that you're not seeing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's really, really tough. And, you know, there might be times that you that we can make adjustments for something like that. Mm -hmm. Say like um, a jam day where mm -hmm. you, you only have high level riders at the, the park. Exactly. Yeah. And like, that's, well, yeah. then. No one's going to question why you're riding here. Right, right. You Suddenly, you became the beginner because you're not as good as most of the people here. Yeah. And that's something Mike and I were working on before all this crapola happened of like doing like transfer night mm -hmm. in the woods room, doing transfer night on the pump track. And I intentionally made those barriers so that they fit between the lines so we mm -hmm. can just tip them over and you won't even know they're there and it'd be good to go. But like, we're like, yeah, we have to do it to where it's like, kind of like sanctioned like now's the time where you can ride all these lines and we can ride them backwards and forwards and there's a staff person there to make sure that nobody like enters the line going the wrong way and um yeah so like that's exactly what we're going to be moving towards is like hey let's open up all these other areas to you know expert level riders but we're going to just do it on wednesday night from you know six to ten or something like that so yeah um but yeah, I mean, I think that's the way we're going to have to handle it. So, cause I love watching that riding. I think it's genius the way Mike and Mark designed it to be able to do that. Um, and I would hate to be like, nope, just hope everyone enjoyed it. Cause it's never happening again. Like I don't want, you know, it doesn't have yeah. to be that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's cool. And I think a lot of people probably don't know that and they're, yeah, hopefully they'll find it out. <laughs> if they listen, if they've listened this long, <laughs> that's right. You got to chop this thing down pretty good with the editing. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like we've wasted any time. In it. <laughs> Nobody's got anything better to do right now with their lives. <laughs> that's a, a true statement, though. I have actually to... coming up like right now. Everyone's might ha not have anything better to do, but they're yeah. also not spending time in the car. That's true. So I've yeah. I've noticed in the couple episodes that I've posted recently that oh, okay. it's like way down from right. what what's normal. Right, right. And I don't think it's that the content sucks. I think yeah. it's that like Yeah. Look, I'm I usually spend maybe forty five minutes a day in the car. Right, exactly. And I sit at home now and don't <laughs> I have other entertainment afforded to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I borderline expect these numbers to actually go back up eventually right people right. that are catching up or whatever sure yeah that's but cool. uh yeah that that does bring us to um 
a whole bunch of other discussions. <laughs> the fact that this discussion we just had was supposed to be about two months ago now. Right. And we had everything set aside from a date to have that discussion. Yeah. And the world fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with that said, it is what? Is it the 14th? Yeah. May 14th? Yeah, I think so. How long have, has the wheel mill been closed? We've been fully closed since the day it was mandated. What, the 16th, I think, was the day that everything of, was. Was it March? March? Yeah. So two months. Two months, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of surreal. Um, and tomorrow we enter Pennsylvania's yellow phase for reopening. Yep, yep. And... Um, <clears throat> That essentially gives you no answers for, yeah, for like an end in sight, a target reopening date. I mean, yeah, nothing, I mean, right? Yeah, like kind of how we were talking earlier. I think the best information we're gonna get is like how bad it spikes up again after the reopening, and then that might give us a little bit of a better guess on how this whole thing's gonna play out, but. uh so maybe ask me again in three weeks when <laughs> everyone's really sick. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, or when we realize everyone's fine. Or, yeah, that everyone already got it, you know. And that something. we're we're all moving up to green phase or something. But yeah, yeah. I, I saw, I think I saw it today. It might have been last night. But they don't even have guidelines for green established yet. They don't, they don't know what parameters are going to be evaluated into what levels to move someone from yellow to green yeah like the whole contact tracing and all that kind of stuff i believe is seemingly out the window right mm -hmm. now like everyone's saying we don't have the capacity for that so and honestly i i don't even feel like the willingness on the society level is there to go through the trouble of it you know no it, i mean when you hear about if you go to a restaurant, you have to give your, your name and a contact number to get seated in there and pass the, the temperature scan and a list yeah. of protocol questions. Yeah. And it's like, I'll just get my order to go. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, I don't know. It is so, like, we're all, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but, uh, you know, when you're, if you're, if it's happening to you or you're right next to it, it's the real deal and it's like really frightening. But you get a little bit of distance away from it and it can just seem like, what is everyone talking about? This is stupid, you know? Yeah, um, like people that are living in rural parts of the country, why, why, are, they, why are we locked down, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I it mean, makes no sense whatsoever, yeah. And of course, like let those people continue to exist. Yeah. I mean, you're you're noticing that all the outbreaks are centered around major international airports. Yeah. yeah. There's pretty good reason for that. that yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it, I, I watched that we, movie too. We got it last. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So anyone that's coming in from anywhere in the world, not just China. Yeah. 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 <laughs> try, yeah uh, try Italy and yeah, everywhere else. You know, with with a disease that takes so long to realize you even have it, mm -hmm. or you might never realize that you have it, like just the silent carriers. Yeah, for sure. It's 
scary. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, it it just spreads out of those those ports of origin because they they interacted with the person that you know sold them a candy bar at the way overpriced airport <laughs> uh, store. Yeah. Yeah. And then that person interacted with eight thousand other people that day. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you glad that Pittsburgh's not a hub for uh, <laughs> for flights like it used to be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I mean, look at like New York City and Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Philly is gonna be locked down for. <laughs> I mean, I'm anticipating a while yet. Yeah. I can't see them just like, eh, move to yellow as well. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. My sister and her husband got it, and in Brooklyn and I was basically like on call with them every day and was like if you guys need to go to the hospital I will come pick you up and bring you to Pittsburgh because there are no beds left no ventilators left it was mm-hmm. like scary you know when you're in that situation yeah. you know in those areas where like the demand far exceeds the capacity so um, but then yeah you get like to Allegheny County and we have like three hospitals per person. It's like awesome, you know. Like yeah. We're way on the right side of that equation as far as, you know, anything that happened here. But uh yeah, there are other places that like had some major problems or probably still gonna have major problems. So Yeah. And it's I mean <laughs> travel picking back up is gonna be a while. Yeah. Um I just I can't see a lot of stuff being that practical probably for the remainder of this year. And it's yeah. I don't know um what that really means and we can sit here and speculate all we want but uh um, Sure. Yeah. I don't know that there's much value in that but like while you've been shut down. Yeah. I know you still have product. Bicycle shops have been allowed to do curbside pickup stuff like that. Yep. Are you technically open um, or are you kind of on a case by case basis? We are uh, we are open for remote sales. So um, and we're going to probably put more stuff online to let people know what we still have in stock. OK, um, we can still order stuff for people. Um, so we're we're trying to do we're trying to shift gears a little bit to make that a little bit easier. Cause right now it's been like, you know, message Mike on Instagram and he'll get you that STEM you want, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, um, and as you can see, we're sitting in this room with like the whole shop piled into it. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit hard to find stuff right now. Um, and yeah, we're in the middle of renovating the, the whole retail space and the shop space, mm-hmm. um, to, hopefully in the not too distant future, be able to do that much more efficiently. And then also to be able to take in like regular bike repairs, that kind of thing. Yeah. I was going to say you've, I mean, that question almost feels weird to ask because you've historically not been a shop. Right. Yeah. You've almost been like, not aggressively, but you've just been opposed to it for various reasons. I don't know if you want to talk about any of yeah, that for and what, sure. yeah. what the what's spurring the transition even i mean we definitely like we just didn't have the capacity from a space standpoint and from a staffing standpoint um and just any other business logistics standpoint to have a shop 
Um, and then the other part of it was um, local shops just have always supported us really nicely and we didn't want to step on any toes. And selling BMX parts was always kind of a relief to a lot of local shops that were like, oh, thank God we don't have to carry BMX stuff and try to figure out what like the latest colorway is. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's worked out really well. They felt like they can help their customers by sending them to us, so everybody wins. Um, and But what's changed is that, I mean, cycling it just keeps getting more and more popular in the region, and I, there are just a lot of people that kind of complain to us like especially last fall when we just had that those long stretches of beautiful weather that they were waiting like five weeks for their bikes and uh i don't think that that's good for the sport in general mm -hmm. like you make somebody wait five weeks they're gonna go to another sport they're gonna be like well i'm gonna go climbing or i'm gonna go kayaking or i'm gonna go do some other sport mm -hmm. and like if my bike's not gonna be done for five weeks and it's beautiful weather and i know it's gonna be a crap winter like i'm gonna go do something else yeah. And so to me, I think that's like not healthy for the sport if you are like th stretched that thin on service. So I think it'll actually help uh, help the region if we're able to keep people riding their bikes uh, all summer long. So mm -hmm. um, and it's just another part of uh, trying to tweak the business model to make sure that we're sustainable. So um like, I, you know, if you're a shop and you have to tell your customer, like, hey, I'm sorry, it's going to be five weeks before I can get to your bike. Yeah. Like, you don't want to have that conversation because no, you know no. they're going to be pissed off. So if, if we're there and that bike shop, you know, we still plan on having very congenial relationships with all those shops. But if that shop can be like, hey, it's going to be five weeks before we can get your bike but the wheel mill just opened up a repair shop. Why don't you give them a call and see how quick they can get you in? Like that customer is going to be grateful. They'll probably still go back to their original shop because, yeah. you know, they were like, hey, they wanted to, but they couldn't, but they referred me to another place. Um, so I think it's another one of those win-win situations where like we're in a good position here in the area where there are so many cyclists that I think it'd be good to have another repair shop. I think there's a flip side to that too that, has probably been missing all along that's all these people that have come here for the first time and rented bikes or whatever mm -hmm. you are their shop yeah so to hold their hand up to the point that they're ready to buy their own bike and be like i don't know man go, go somewhere else figure it out <laughs> yeah we don't care about you anymore <laughs> is like they probably feel a little bit lost for that moment mm-hmm it's true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause there are definitely a lot of families where like they got a kid who's 10 years old and after a few times at the wheel mill, like the parent is like, I've never seen my kid this excited about something in their life. And we know that this target bike is not going to like work for them. You, where can we get a decent bike for my kid? So like, that's one of the reasons we started carrying more completes because yeah, exactly what you said. We just had more parents that were like, to, to them, this is their safe place where they, they know, you know, that their kid is happy and they're like, can we get a bike from you? Because mm -hmm. we, you know, don't know what other shop to go to. And like you guys are the ones that sort of like fostered us from nothing to like where my kid is like super stoked about riding. So 
um, yeah, definitely. We'll have that crowd too, which is cool. You know, that'll be nice. And then, yeah, I feel really bad when we like sell somebody like, you know, a fork and we're like in the middle of winter and we're like, oh yeah, I don't know if we can put that on for you today because we don't have like a full-time mechanic. You know? Yeah. Or like we can't build you a wheel or true your wheel because we don't have a full-time mechanic or whatever it is. So I always felt really bad about that, but we just never had it in the space physical space and we never had it in the budget to be able to like have staff like that so I is is a full-time mechanic a plan then yeah yeah for sure at least like a probably nine to five or ten to six or whatever yeah yeah for cool. sure yeah so that'll be that'll be cool good um so you've been able you've been open for like the remote sales thing um is that really all you've been able to do other than like, obviously we're sitting here. I know you've got yeah. other things going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you already alluded to it a little bit, but, right, um, right. you know, what have you been able to do as a, a business owner that can't operate his business? Right, right. Well, you know, like we had been talking about expanding the shop and like you knew about those plans, like before this, all this stuff ever happened and, and me musing about, how am I going to get this remodel done while we're still open and uh, <laughs> <laughs> careful what you ask for? Cause uh, <laughs> I got all the time in the world to remodel. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So we're doing a major remodel. Um, I think it's going to look awesome. It's going to flow a lot better. And like the getting in the park should be a lot faster and easier and like navigating like, less, less confusing where you have to like, where do you go to check in? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me to dock your bike before <laughs> yeah. you can circle back to check in and yeah. cross line it. For sure. It's going to make way more sense. So hopefully <laughs> like that'll be like way less stressful for people who are like, I need to ride. Um, so, so yeah, it'll improve that. It'll give us that expanded shop area. It'll give us more retail space. So we'll have more cool parts in, which I'm stoked about. Um, we're probably going to double the retail shop area. So, um, that'll be good. So yeah, major remodel, um, fixing up all the old building shenanigans. I, I'm going to throw this out there cause I don't have a pen to write it down. Yeah. That's something to talk about offline. Yeah. But, um, if you thought about any like quick scan contactless entry for like say a pass holder where we don't even have to check <laughs> in, like using a kiosk or something, we can just scan a card or something and be, yeah, checked in. we have, uh, we used to have those fobs that you could just scan. So we might just bring those back. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we can always, we have been able to do it like, like contact, uh, non-contact just by taking people's names, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? So well, I know that other than like the wristband, which we could figure some work around for that. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever put a purple pen on your face or something, you know, I don't know. If we all had fobs or passes <laughs> of some sort, then it's like kind of defeats it anyway. But yeah. Yeah. Um, like here's my card. I'm good. <laughs> right. You know, and we, we, but it, I know it's, it's, there's other reasons you're doing it too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but we've had some awesome help from, uh, ink division. It's been running the, the throwback t-shirts and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh, has been awesome. And everyone who's bought those, that's been really cool. Uh, one feather press with the bandanas. Yep. has been super, super cool. Where are they at? I've like never heard of them until I saw 
saw them running those bandanas. Uh, like physically where their location yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Um, are they local here? Yeah, I want I want to say they are. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they print out of. Um, but they've done some other stuff for us in the past, so. Cool. Yeah, they've always been supportive of the park, which is awesome. And, uh. Uh, and then Scotty Kramer nominated us for the Vans Foot the Bill program. Yep. Which is kind of like, I'm still in disbelief because <laughs> I was like an 80s kid and yeah. like always had checkerboard Vans. And then I remember, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was like 1980, I'm going to say like 1984 or 85, they came out with the Jungle Print Vans and... Uh, I was like, I had jungle print jams <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be the coolest kid because I'm going to have jungle print jams and jungle print vans. <laughs> and I, I have to go over to my mom's house and go through like all the old pictures. Cause I know there's like a picture of me in the like full jungle print. But, uh, yeah, like Mason Ritter has helped a lot with, I mean, he designed the bandana. Yep. He's designed some of the shirts and he did the design for the shoe. Um, and that's been really fun. Like, like that whole Vans custom shoe thing is just cool just as it is. Cause like you really get to like, you can really like, I was surprised when I got on there, like how much detail you, they're yeah. allowing you to customize like yeah. from like trim edges and stuff and the pinstripe along the side. I'm like, right. Yeah. And the little like elastic in the, yeah. you know, yeah. like that's slightly more than what you what i anticipated being able to customize about this shoe yeah you can get like yeah super you can come up with some cool stuff i was like after getting a couple pairs i was like all right i need to stop for a second because you just started <laughs> getting that zone of like oh well what if i did this brown here and then kind of like go to this other you're, you're like if i spend 90 dollars <laughs> on my own custom shoes to get i don't know what you're getting out of 10, 15, maybe? No, they're doing really, they're like uh, helping it, us out a lot. Is, yeah. it, is it a it's pretty really, substantial yeah, amount? That's like, awesome. They're being super generous. Yeah. But either way, if yeah. you're buying your own shoes, yeah. you're not actually helping yourself out. <laughs> I know, but it's so cool. <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah. It's, that's, that's super awesome. That's like, that's amazing. And yeah, and they are like, they are doing really well by us. Like, um, they are, uh, they're, they're like kicking in a huge amount. Does does that money get like funneled to you after each sale then, or is it like one lump sum at so the end? So it's yeah. There's a end date to it, which is like two weeks from now, and then uh, and then after that, then that money will get dispersed after that. Okay. So I'll have to uh, remember to drop the Vans link oh, in yeah, this yeah. podcast description. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So. Yeah. Anyone that still wants to get in on that one can. Yeah, um, I still got a couple of weeks. The end of May is the end of it. So. It's also, I'm sure, on your website. On a website, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, that, yeah. All that stuff. All that good stuff. So, yeah, yeah I know, I've seen there's been tons of throwback shirts and, like, yeah. it's almost hard to keep track of yeah. uh, because I know, like, Murphy's been running some shirts. And yeah, I think, that's true, yeah. I think yep. some of them were mm -hmm. for the wheel mill and some of them might have been, like, just hey, here's some other cool designs I've got out there. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, hard to keep track of who's doing what for right. who or where. And, and like, then there's some cool jaunt stuff, things yep. going on there, yeah, too. Yeah, so it's and all, all good stuff. <laughs> it's it's pretty difficult. But um, <laughs> that's awesome to know that they're 
like actually helpful and they're not like a hassle. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, um, yeah, we, and gift cards too. People have been buying gift cards. Um, it's all, you know, it, it, things are so tight, not just for us, you know, for so many people, Mm -hmm. like anyone, any business owner will tell you like any, anything counts (laughs) like right now. Yeah. (laughs) So I had a very interesting conversation with Carlise a couple weeks ago. We did a, a remote podcast. Okay. He's, we Skyped together. Okay, cool. But, um, he was like, dude, I'm not selling gift cards for the shop right now. Yeah. And he's like, basically we, we schedule out like we're six months out on a schedule. Yeah. And if I bring all that money in right now, sure. I'm working for free in six months. It like kind of doesn't help me. Yep. Yep. But I think probably in, in your case, like that, it's not going to feel like you're working for free in three or six months or whatever. It's going to, it's going to trickle in. You might be, feel like you're giving some stuff away later, but not. Yeah. We kind of like, because we have a product and a service business, um, some of it's going to go to, uh, you know, sprockets and some of it's going to go to, passes mm-hmm. and you know so it'll get kind of spread between things that are like hey i just paid you know shadow for all those things and now i'm giving them away and some of it will be like oh they're riding in a park that's already here yeah so um but honestly like you know this is business you don't like <laughs> like whatever it takes to get to tomorrow yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. we're gonna do it you know yeah so yeah, like it's, and then we also doing things like, you know, having Burley Matt come in and build and, you know, so that like when we do reopen, like there's something cool new to ride that we maybe couldn't have built when the park was open or would have been like harder to figure that out or would have required closing a whole room or something. So like having a fun little surprise to kind of say like, hey, thanks everybody for supporting, like you know, we, uh, you know, put some of that money directly into improving the park. You know, that's, that's always been like how we've wanted to do things too. So, yeah. 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 I know that you had like some waiver requests in for the business to be able to be open in some sort of limited capacity. And I know you, you said that that's been uh, reaffirmed that they denied that. (laughs) I got the follow up email (laughs) just Um, in case you didn't know. In case it wasn't clear the first time we said no, <laughs> no. But there, there's also like different loans and stuff available mm-hmm. for, you know, small businesses, whatever. Yeah. yeah. PPP being like the one that everyone's sure. talking about, which is Paycheck Protection Program. Definitely. Is that something that you would qualify for? Did you qualify We did. For? We did all of that. Did you uh, do it? PPP, EIDL. Okay. Um, and then the URA, which is the... Urban Redevelopment Authority of Pittsburgh. Okay. They were amazing. Like within three days, I had a loan from them. Okay. So like so, March so you 19th, have, I had a loan from You have some assistance through all that stuff as well. Yeah. I'm okay. hoping that, that we can follow the guidelines and have some of it uh, be turned into a grant. Um, it's like up to 75% of it, right? It keeps At least changing. paycheck protection. It keeps changing. Um, I don't know. And then like the whole like, it's, yeah, 
without getting into like a massive political discussion or whatever. Well, let's just and, say it keeps and changing. And blowing all your finances to the general public, which they don't necessarily need to know, like yeah, how much yeah. your payroll is, how much your yeah. rent is, blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a glorious secret, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's boring, um, and everyone is going through it, you know. And honestly, it's a lot of businesses are in that like they're in that terrible limbo zone where it's actually like worse for them to be open, but they're like kind of compelled to be open because, you know, uh, they're either an industry that's allowed to operate or they're kind of expected to operate. And then you've got people who are either, you got staff that's either like at risk or they have family that's at risk. It's, it's a crappy situation for almost everybody yeah. in, in the world. Um, I don't know anyone that's like, yeah, I love this. So. Yeah, this is great. Why can't we do this all the time? Uh, uh, no, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna give you that one for just two weeks, where you know you can slow down and like take a break. Might be cool every year, where it's like not, yeah, yeah, not just like hey, here's your vacation time. It's right. like no, everything is just like offline like, for a little like, bit, like France or something like that, where they just like shut it down i think china does it too for almost a yeah, full month for new year's yeah yeah definitely no that'd, that'd be great i'd be down with that <laughs> yeah the first two weeks i was like what should i do are we gonna open are we gonna not open are we gonna you know i was like i didn't do any of the remodeling so i killed like two or three weeks just waiting to like hear some definitive news on yeah like, is this gonna breeze over and we're gonna be good to go or? yeah so I didn't touch anything because, like, I was like, the last thing I want to do is start remodeling, tear stuff down, and then be like, "All right, we're good. We're gonna reopen." I'd be, have my pants down and be like, oh, "Yeah, great." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because yeah. um, you were already in, like, as soon as they issued the guidelines, you were like, "Only this many people on a deck. Only this many people in this room." Like, yeah, you yeah. were already implementing the social distancing in. Yeah. In both anticipation of like it staying in that manner, yeah, and also probably hoping to qualify for a waiver that like this is implemented. It's yeah. not, yeah. It's you know they made a they made their definition very clear of it has to be a life saving business, but they applied their definition to in a very weird way. And it's varied a lot from state to state, even though like a lot of the language is similar mm -hmm. in terms of life-saving businesses. Um, I know in some states, like when you go to Target, um, the like the furniture aisles are closed and the clothing aisles are closed. And the only part of Target that's open in other states is just the grocery part. Yeah. But in Pennsylvania, you go to Target, the whole thing's open. You go to Home Depot, the whole thing's open. You go to, you know, Costco, the whole thing's open. So it's like, it's been applied in a little bit of a not my favorite way here in terms of like the idea of fairness, which is kind of an arbitrary concept, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah. You know, and it's like, you go to Frick park and it's like packed with people. And that's what I was part of what I was trying to say with my uh, application for exemption was we can do a better job of enforcing social distancing than, than you're doing at Frick Park or any other public park because there's nobody there enforcing social distancing or masks or anything like that. But we can actually do that here and you can hold us accountable to it here. So yeah. 
but they were like, no, you're not, you're not a life-sustaining business. I was like, you just, do I, do I need to like get like 4,000 parents who are going crazy with their kids home all day long to tell you that is it's life sustaining? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, that's really interesting to like think about it in that regard though because I haven't really spent any time out at parks or whatever yeah Uh, other than on the way here I saw uh, even down by the police station a little like track I don't know what that's called yeah but there are a bunch of people out riding on that and it's like oh yeah all right well this bike park's open so yeah yeah Um, it's totally unregulated it just felt weird but all of it feels weird and then i teeter personally on the line of like i get that you're trying to protect everyone Mm -hmm. but as we move into this yellow phase and now they're gonna like segregate which non-essential businesses are extra non-essential right right now it's like no 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 all these people have just as much right to be in business as anyone else same yeah. as i said about using the park right 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 like uh, let's take a hair salon for example while i think it's not essential <laughs> um, <laughs> if that owner of the salon is comfortable mm-hmm. and wants to open their business mm-hmm. they should be allowed to mm-hmm. barring that they follow all the extra precautions that may be applicable for their situation sure yeah and taking into account like you can't hang out in the barber shop and wait for your turn like it's appointment only sorry it's inconvenient whatever yeah appointment only you wait in your car yeah we'll call you and screen you before you come in yeah you're going to deal with an extra 10 minutes of like cleanup and processing of the yeah the area beforehand right right um Haircuts probably going up by five bucks to cover the time lost and the cleaning supplies, whatever. Right. But here's the protocol. Here's how we're going to handle it. Yeah. If you're comfortable, go get your haircut. Right. If yeah. you're not, yeah. Then freaking stay home. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but I feel like that applies for all those businesses, whether it's hair salon, nail salon, mm-hmm. tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable and the artist is comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't really see what the problem is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. If it's sort of like a, you're, you're bringing a lot of people into contact in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, a barber shop just doing quick trims. Yeah. Do four people an hour. Yeah. And 10 hour day. And yeah. now you've, if the first yeah. person that was in there on day one right. had it, gave it to you, you expose 40 people a day for the next three weeks before you show symptoms like yeah yeah and i and i get it like the the goal is to reduce not to eliminate Mm -hmm. and it's like we all have to go to the grocery store so you don't want every other person at the grocery store to now have all those compounded exposures from all the other things because you can elect not to go to the hair salon, but you can't elect not to go to the grocery store. Yes. So it's like, you know, I get it. Like, we all have to go to the grocery store. So, yeah, I don't want to be around a bunch of people who have all these other 
exposures. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's once you start saying, okay, now some of you can open and then now the rest of you can't still, then it, yeah, it starts, <laughs> it's, I think it should just either be like <laughs> life essential only or everything else. <laughs> yeah. And you know, again, like with guidelines and restrictions, yeah, yeah. like if you wanted to do 25% capacity, then, then so be it. If you got to pay one extra person to stand at the door and track mm -hmm. the ins and outs and at every yeah. store. And then there's going to be some things where it's really weird. Like if you're like, oh yeah, we're going to have a convention at the convention center. Then it's uh, like, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it's like, yeah, okay. But everyone's going to have to be six feet apart. So you're going to only get to be able to have 200 people in this room. At but once. that brings up a good point because look at there's entire industries around conventions and for sure. conferences and oh, stuff. Yeah, for and sure. it's like, yeah. I, right back to the it has every right to be open as anyone else's business so yeah i mean yes but, and no i mean and then it's like <laughs> i mean i and all of it would be moot if we were confident that the government was going to make sure we got through this mm -hmm. then you could say all right like let's everybody do exactly what the best thing is and the government will make sure that we all come out of this on the other end. And then it would be like, oh, okay, cool. We'll just do the best thing and we'll all just stay home and we'll all bite the bullet on all that stuff. Because I know that when this is finally cleared through whatever, you know, financial difficulties I had, the government's going to cover it and it'll just be like clean slate. We'll be good to go. But that's not what's happening. So people are trying to, you know. When there's no clear answer as to how anything's happening, because it's all a political song and dance that <laughs> yeah, totally. that we don't have to get into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it might actually be a good time to move on from that discussion, <laughs> or else we will anyway. Um, okay, with with having implemented social distancing early at the park, yeah, and it you know it wasn't enough to meet the state's yeah. requirements. How do you envision? The and I know this is total speculation. What do you sure. expect that to be, like when you're allowed to reopen? Yeah. Do you think we're most likely going to still have some sort of social distancing protocol, and how is that going to affect the park? And maybe it's too early to even address this question. Yeah. No, I mean I I think it. I mean we have to th we have to start thinking about it regardless, even if like it is too early probably. Um, based on the last email I got from the state that was like reiterating their position. Um, you know, I do think at some point uh, they are just going to say everybody's allowed to be open, but you have to meet these particular distancing criteria, mask wearing criteria, screening criteria. Swearing uh, masks and rotting is going to suck. Dude, I did that in Frick Park and, uh, I almost like went unconscious <laughs> like my mask got all like soaked from sweat and it would just kept sucking into my face. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're waterboarding yourself. <laughs> totally. It was horrible. Um, yeah. And then I had to like pull it down when there was nobody around and ride. And then uh, I put it back up when somebody was, when I saw somebody, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll see what their guidelines are if it, and then we will, you know, we'll see what it 
would look like for us to adhere to those guidelines. <clears throat> um, I think we would probably do things like no rental equipment, like no shared, no rental helmets, no rental bikes, um, you know, touchless entry, like basically say like, hey, you can buy a pass online, but you can't buy a pass from the counter because we're not going to take your credit card or your cash or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we'll just come in, give us your name and, you know, we'll check and see that you bought your pass or you have a membership. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, keeping those distance, like the maximum occupancy on the decks and things like that uh, would probably still be um, something. And then just like reminding people like, hey, just leave your hands on your handlebars. Like, don't touch the railings. Don't, you know, whatever. Just, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, just friendly reminders about that stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, we... I, you know, I think we can do, I, I, and kind of the same with everything else that we do. Like, I think we could have, we could operate safely under like situation like that. And I could go to bed at night feeling like I was doing the right thing and that, you know, mm -hmm. it was a net positive in terms of potential risk versus reward for people like to get physical activity and to get their head straight and all that stuff, riding their bikes. Um, so <clears throat> I think we could, and yeah, you know, you do that one lap on the pump track with your mask yeah. on and you sit around for five minutes trying to catch your breath and <laughs> it's all good. Oh, that, it's going to be rough, but you know what, when this is all over, if we've been riding with masks on for like months and months, we're going to be like the fittest human beings ever. <laughs> we're going to all have like insane lung capacity. Like it's going to be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to breathe real deep and be like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, do 40 pump track. We're going to be so right? oxygen high. It's ridiculous. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we'd be able to. And I also think like we're, we're even, you know, we're not a gym. Like we don't have shared equipment. You don't have to sit on the same bench and pick up the same weights and be on the same machine and all that kind of mm -hmm. business. So I think we just kind of emphasize those characteristics of our facility and probably uh, close the foam pits. I see that's like pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, keep it to where contact is eliminated and, uh, and then, you know, we have to be con considerate of our staff, too. Like, we have staff that have families that are, like, highly at risk, like, seriously, seriously at risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a, you know, it's a real deal for, for, unfortunately, like, a lot of people have, a lot of people have died from this. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a joke, and it's not to be taken lightly. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the recommendations are, the guidelines are, and all that kind of stuff, and... If we can do that uh, correctly, then we'll do it. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna just guess that like with limited capacities and deck space and stuff, it may be like a make appointments to come ride type thing. Yeah, you know, uh, we might have to do yeah sessions it like that. Short term, but it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it it's like I don't even want to go there because it's a big risk for us. Like because we'll have to have staff here full time. But what if nobody signs up for five to six o'clock or whatever, you know, like the time slots are, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, okay, I paid staff to be here, but then nobody came to that time slot. And 
Yeah, it's stupid. And now I'm losing money, losing more money than if we had just been closed, <laughs> you know? So it's <laughs> like, you know, we don't want to get to that because staff is one of our biggest expenses here, you know? Um, well, and, and I mean, going down to, it's a sub question of that, but like, if that becomes the norm, mm -hmm. not just for a short period of time, yeah. but hey, this is the new norm. Sure. Like, that's totally going to impact your pricing structure and for your sure. path structures, and for like, sure. yeah. it's it's going to take the model that you built that I would say was awesome. Uh -huh. Cool. And I've been telling everyone it's awesome. Where it's you're almost paying more for what you value out of it, which is like. A, it's a club, right? Mm -hmm. Like you show up here, you pay your membership dues and you get either discounts in the shop or you get, you know, unlimited riding time, whatever, mm -hmm. but you're paying your dues. It helps the bottom line of the business. Yeah. yeah. If you have enough people doing that, right. that it cuts out the like, Oh, I only got like two hours tonight. I'm not going to drive down and yeah. try to ride. So like for sure, it keeps that side really great. And for the people that aren't sure they want to be members, then right. you pay session by session. Sure. Yeah. But you've, you kind of take away the, like, there's a weird thing with a bike shop where you're not paying for what you value out of the bike shop, which is the space to congregate. Yeah. But like you can come to the wheel mill and maybe I didn't actually want to ride today, but I like wanted to hang out with my friends and yeah. catch a bike video playing down in the lounge. Right. Yeah nothing wrong with that sure i'm a member here that's cool to do yeah yeah <laughs> um and on that note i'm probably buying snacks and drinks or whatever and yeah. maybe brought a friend with me and right whatever yeah but if that all has to change like that model might go away and it's a model that i think other parks should have been looking at yeah because yeah. i mean you see some parks and it's like a hundred something dollars a month fee but their park only costs 10 bucks a session. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a disconnect here. And like, right, I right. get, I get that, you know, your business and where your market needs to be, but like, right. 10 times a month does not make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Again, I don't know where any of that will go. I don't even want to speculate into that for you because yeah, you don't that's know. that's going to be a tough one. If, if that's what we have to do, cause yeah, there's just so much other complication with that and uh risk like financially and and yeah it's it sucks like like now you're gonna have to now you're gonna have to call all your friends and see like hey you guys got to sign up for the seven o'clock session oh the seven o'clock's full <laughs> mom can you take me down at eight <laughs> yeah it's just like oh it just sounds terrible <laughs> you sounds, know it <laughs> sounds awful <laughs> it really does sound awful you know and it's like and there are people that like work and they get out at a particular time and they're like this is the only time this is between when i get out of work and i have to go home to, for dinner with my family or people that are like mm -hmm. you know whatever it is like everyone's got a situation and they come here at the time they can come here and if it's like those spots are going to be like randomly taken up that just sucks like well, we'd have to try to figure something else out. Some of them might be like all of a sudden 8.30 at night and it's like, holy crap, I'm free. Yeah. I'm running down to the wheel mill for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
that's yeah. that's me usually like <laughs> wait i don't have anything going on no, no. all right yeah <laughs> opportunity um yeah yeah i mean we can't really speculate into any of that without yeah other than addressing like these are things that might be real yeah for sure yeah i mean it's definitely it's a scenario that i would put on the list of like potentially could end up like this yeah for sure it's especially where you know if if you got a letter back that said hey you can open tomorrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> no more than groups of 10 i mean yeah I would think that because they're separate rooms, you could probably get away with that mm-hmm. and be like, well, 10 person, 10 people per room. Right, right. But yeah. that would still be like, okay, yeah. what's that afford you, like 80 people to be mm-hmm. here? Yeah, which I'd be happy with, you know, that we could make Better that. than zero. Yeah. <laughs> A lot better than zero. You could make 80 work, but if it's like 25, then it's like tw- 25 for how long, you know? Like, do we have to split it up in sessions now? Yeah. Then, it, yeah, you start going down that road again. So, yeah. And I'd really, yeah, I'd really much rather leave the model, like, come whenever you want. But it's only this many people, you know. And then hopefully, like, yeah, the limits... first come, first serve. Yeah, you but, know. But, you know, show up, <laughs> drive an hour from Indiana or someone yeah. from out that way. Or make the sessions, like long enough that it would be like if you yeah. come in at two o'clock and you're out by six o'clock I think or people, seven o'clock people are gonna know? have to understand whatever it ends up being that yeah. it's it's not because that's the way you want it to be yeah someone <laughs> will complain that's all right we'll get a bad google <laughs> review <laughs> you can just comment back under it and be like coronavirus yeah <laughs> hello coronavirus <laughs> Uh, well, all right, let's, let's bring it up right now then, mm. because the question is, have you been working on anything fun while shut down? Yeah. Park changes, any event ideas, anything like that? I know, uh, next gen was supposed to be happening and that's yeah indefinitely postponed. Yeah. I Did mean, you have a mountain bike event that was supposed to be happening too? We had ride like a girl. That got canceled, which sucks because we already had a bunch of people signed up for it and we just refunded everybody. And uh, yeah, it's sad. But because uh, we had like, we had made some changes this year that I thought, that we all thought were like really going to solve uh, problems that we had in the past. And we were also kind of linking up with Bike Pittsburgh, who was having their Women in Non Binary Biking Forum like the next month. And we were going to kind of, you know, once again, like everybody's looking at like the cycling pyramid, uh, we were going to have like a really low cost, really entry level rider program at the Women in Non-Binary Forum so that we could kind of pull that demographic out of the Ride Like a Girl weekend um, so that we didn't have such a skill level range. Um, So we'd really like, you know, had this it was going to be a great year or at very least like a really great effort, you know, on like how do we really optimize the time and the money for everybody. And then, yeah, that all got canceled. So that, that was a huge bummer, but, uh, um, events. Yeah. Not even thinking about it. Um, you know, I, we, we might be able to do, you know, we might be able to do some private lessons with this situation. Like, so we 
we're going to look at that. We're going to look at camps because mm -hmm. that's like a finite kind of thing that, that I think would be okay. Um, we already talked about having like a lower age limit because like little kids can't stop touching each other and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> like, can it just be like, kid has to be like old enough to be able to like follow the distancing yeah. rules and that kind of thing. So, um, looking at that, uh, but yeah, you know, we, um, got up early, Matt working, doing the remodeling. Um, yeah, just keeping our heads down on that stuff right now. Uh, and, and the shop remodel, that's well, when people are able to come back in, they're not even going to recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it should be sweet. Say, I, I got to the front door and just went, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, all righty then. <laughs> yeah. No more pink walls, you know? So I hope you got to say your goodbyes to the pink walls. Uh, because they're gone. No, no, I don't think anyone had had time to <laughs> to say their goodbyes. Oh, just, that's just sad. Got yanked right away from them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like like everyone's uh, March, April, yeah. <laughs> May, and yeah. who knows what in the dumpster. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's that's it. You know, that's what we're we're doing. Um, you know, we're trying to get out and ride when the weather's nice, and if the, you know, I've been riding in Frick Park and. You know, a couple skate parks are still open. You know, Mike's been going to and stuff yeah. and, and everyone else. But, uh, yeah, you know, trying to hang in there with everybody else. Well, <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> Fully understand. <laughs> I think I've really ridden my bike one time. Oh, really? It It's difficult to uh, get out. I've got the couple ramps I built at my place. Mm -hmm. But riders so used to being able to just follow oh yeah that like i'll go up to ride the sub box mm -hmm. and now he's underneath me oh geez and i took him out once on a did a feeble the 270 so i was back turned to him and just uh. crushed him when i landed <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> that clips on instagram if anyone wants oh, to really? check that okay, out i had to check that out i haven't seen it yet <laughs> <laughs> oops <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was right after. I'm like, dude, we got to take turns. Like, you go, then uh -huh. I'll go. Uh -huh. And he's like, I want to go follow. Yeah. No. <laughs> you, you go can't and then follow. I go. And then you go and then I go. <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> That's I'm, I'm taking turns. Two feet behind you. <laughs> but I should have built him a bigger ramp, too. Because yeah. our driveway is like a giant roll-in. Uh, but I built a little bank to sub. Okay. And he just goes full speed down it and crashes into the sub box. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny uh wrapping up on this though close out the the podcast anyway yeah, cool uh anyone you want to thank right now again and then like how does anyone reach out to you uh yeah i mean so thank everyone who has bought a t-shirt bandana gift card parts that we've got bikes that we've got uh vans and then thank uh, One Feather Press and Ink Division and Scotty Kramer and Vans and Mason and Murphy and Mike and yeah, everybody that's been helping us get through this. Burley Matt is just coming in on his, his free time. We're just trying to feed him lumber and uh, you know, it's, that's all super crucial. So 
thank everyone for that. That's that's really huge. And we're gonna try to have, you know, I'm gonna have to try to have some like cool stuff, you know, coming out of this, you know. Yeah. Um, so hope you know, hopefully it's like a win. You coming out of this with a win here. Um, and uh, um, yeah. So definitely got to thank all those people for like pushing through and everyone who's been helping out. That's huge. All right. Um, you can get a hold of us. You can message us through the the socials um, and info at thewheelmill.com as far as email. If you got something bigger, you want to email me, just uh, info at thewheelmill.com. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. I'm I'm good with that. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, Harry. Well, thank you for like uh, like coming head on into a subject that a lot of people want to like brush off because it's maybe not the answer you want to hear. That's, uh, I mean, it's an uncomfortable discussion probably in some ways as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. uh, and yeah. And like, and I, and it's definitely my, you know, my fault for not being ahead of it. You know, I think that's something I could have done way better, uh, of kind of like telling people, Hey, we're making these changes and this is why, and this is like what, you know, the reasoning behind it is. So, um, that's definitely like in the future need to be more proactive about that so that people kind of are like, Oh, this is that thing he was talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, and I, I think also like even part of the reason I wanted to do this is I know outright a lot of it's either myself or my friends that are quote unquote the problem <laughs> <laughs> well you've got you've got like the perfect storm you've got like you yourself riding and then you've got a kid on a balance bike so you, you well you're holding you're holding down both sides I'm, of it <laughs> i'm i'm the perfect example of like i get it but i don't like it too <laughs> yeah totally i i, I have yeah. to get it because yeah. Yeah. i have the monster yeah yeah you got the little monster yeah <laughs> But awesome. no, I, I really appreciate it. I think hopefully this is good for for you. Should should give everyone a little bit of light on the like day to day stuff around the park. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure everyone's curious what's going on right now with yeah, yeah. with the coronavirus stuff. So yeah. if anyone held out that long, <laughs> now they know. Now they know. That's it. The official word. But no, I I, I really appreciate it. I oh, think thank it's, you. Thank you. Been a good time. I'll have to snap a picture of you weighing in your mountain of tires and yep, yeah. whatnot <laughs> since it's audio only. But awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool, uh, I'm gonna wrap Thank this you. one up then. Cool dude. Thanks for checking out the episode. Uh I hope that you guys got a lot out of that and um are also looking forward to stopping back at the wheel mill once they're able to reopen. I'll post some links down in the description. Um where you can pick up the Vans shoes. Um, right now they're still available. If you're listening to this in a couple weeks, they probably won't be. Um, and, you know, where you can pick up gift certificates and just general interaction with the wheel mill. So that's that. Another thing is don't forget that we are doing Insta Jams. So uh, we already did a podcast on this. It was episode 37. And just to recap real quickly, these are, they look like mini contests on Instagram. I'm going to be posting one a week. You'll have a week to submit your entry. 
these are jams. These are about participation, uh, having you guys come in, hang out, do something cool, get a shout out. And then we also have prizes and a couple other sponsors, you know, coming in to support this as well. So there will be prizes. Um, the first one was quarantine bar spins. That will be over this Saturday, the 17th. Yeah, 17th, 15th, 16th. I don't know what day it is because it's 1.30 in the morning. Okay, Saturday the 16th, it's over. So that means get your submission in now. One thing that's been a very big question is what do I do? I can't bar spin. A lot of you guys already know this. Some of you don't. Um... I don't care if you can bar spin. I don't care if you do a hop bar spin. I don't care if you lay on your back and do a bar spin. I don't care however you want to come up with this. I want to see you guys do something cool. I want you to participate. So that's the goal. Keep that in mind as these challenges move forward as well. Um, most of them are pretty open-ended. There's... I can't think of one that's worded as best. Um, there's one that has probably a definitive winner. But also, if multiple people do the challenge, it's going to be hard. Don't get me wrong on that one. If multiple people do the challenge, there will be multiple winners. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but that's not for a couple weeks. Um there's also prizes for participating in all of them. So even if you can't hop bar, but you want to do something, make sure you join in. Uh, all right. So that's going to do it for this episode. Um, again, I'm glad that I got to sit down with Harry. We got to, uh, he and I had already had this discussion once before. So None of this was new to either of us. Um, we pretty much already knew which direction we wanted the discussion to go, but definitely thought it was valuable and for information for you guys. So um, check them out at thewheelmill.com. Check them out at thewheelmill on Instagram. Uh, I don't know what their Facebook is, but I'll figure that out. And if you need to email anything of, of context, uh, reach out with another opportunity for fundraising, anything like that, their email is info at thewheelmill.com. So you can reach out to them there. And then also, uh, if you're finding this and you don't already follow Grindworks on Instagram, uh, please check us out. It's at grindworks underscore BMX. And that's on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Uh, then it's at GrindWorksBMX with no underscore on Facebook Mixer. Facebook Mixer. Xbox, if you play Xbox. Um, YouTube. And any of the podcast sites such as Anchor or... Uh, iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, you'll find it on just at Grindworks BMX. So I think that's everything. 
TikTok too. I don't use it. I tried it. I'm not really into it, but it's there. Uh, if people start following it, maybe I'll be forced to use it. So anyway, uh, this outro was kind of long-winded, but it's okay. I uh, wanted to talk about the jam, Insta jams. wanted to talk about a couple of things. So anyway, thank you. Enjoy your day. Stay safe. Um, whatever that means for you and to whatever degree that you are, you know, practicing social distancing or any of that. So have a good night. It's late for me. I'm out. <laughs>